Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Podcasting. Podcasting from Sydney, Australia. This is the Prime Podcast. Independent, unfiltered, and uncensored. Beginning in three, two, one. Evelyn, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I've been um, going to get you back on after the last conversation we have. Um, it's unfortunate it took so long, but you're here now. Uh, yeah. There's a lot to cover. Um, there's many things that we left in the first conversation that I've done a lot more research into. I know the, at the time we spent a little bit of time discussing abortion, your stance on abortion, and you informed me about a lot of things that I didn't even know took place. Uh, I've looked into all that now, so I can now I've now got an opinion on certain things that I didn't have an opinion on. So it'll be good. Long overdue. Mm. Yeah, it's good, and I think that's helpful. Like this is what I love about um, people who are at least willing to have a conversation. Like you and I are probably not exactly the same on every single topical issue, but we're willing to have the conversation and challenge each other, and then we go away and think and analyze and that's all you can really expect and hope from people that's how human beings have thrived for such a long time accountability and challenging one another so yeah it'll i'm looking forward to today's conversation you know and the sharing of ideas the Mm. the the conversing about subjects without having to be i guess worried about being shut down or cancelled for expressing an opinion because it stops the free flowing the free flow of information from both sides uh, and that's been a problem that we've had now for a number of years. Well, actually a lot longer than that, but I think a lot of people have only realised the extent of which our speech is censored mm. the last two or three, two to three years um, with the whole pandemic and what's gone on. But these conversations are absolutely necessary for us to continue to grow um, as as human race in general. Mm. So it's good. Yeah. So what have you been up to? I have um, experienced COVID. It took three years, Chris, but I experienced it and it was horrible, but I'm alive and I was unvaccinated. So, I mean, according to mainstream media, you should be coming to my memorial service right now, but I'm here (laughs) to um, live to tell the tale. So I've experienced that. Um, And yeah, I'm just sort of bunkering in at the farm and doing what I do with the cattle and uh, trying to enjoy the sunshine in and amongst all these storms and rain clouds through summer. It's very unpredictable. I was just saying just before it just started raining here, it was hot. I think it was, was it yesterday, 33, 34? It was warm yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so it's been good the nice weather. We haven't had any warm weather for a year. Mm. We missed last yeah. summer. We skipped over it completely. So it's yeah. good to have some warm weather. But um, So how did you go with COVID? You said it was bad for you. Yeah, I had it pretty bad. There was a moment where I thought to myself, maybe the government had it right. And then I had to hit myself over the head and go, come on, Evelyn, just pull it together. You're having a woman moment here. Um, but I I was struck with with like man flu. It was it was um to be to be fair, I was going through some other health things at the time. So my family got over it in 48 hours, but I took like a solid a solid week. It was mostly the lethargy. I don't know if you've had it, but just that 
um, I just like just the thought of having to open my eyelids. It felt like they were like 10 kilos each. I was just really tired and sort of washed out. And it took a good week to sort of get over that feeling. But none, nothing went into my chest or my lungs. It was just my sinuses. They just blocked up and the mucus was so thick. And I actually thought to myself in that moment, if I was 98 year old vulnerable person and that mucus was in my lungs, I'm like, yeah, that would be pretty devastating for the elderly because it was just I don't know if you've had it it's just so thick the the mucus um but yeah but it like it was it, it was fine um but I just hadn't been sick because we've been locked up for so long and I live mm. out rural bush I don't see people yeah. so for me I hadn't been sick for three years so it just kind of all like crashed down at once but um as I said my family got it uh, we all sort of got it at the same time. We all caught up for Christmas, <laughs> the beginning of December. Super um, spreader event. That's right. That's right. And so we all got it, but everyone was over it. Like they were like my, my dad got a headache and that was it. He didn't even know he had it. Um, mm. And, you know, things like that. So it was pretty mild for most people, but um, it took me a good, a good week to start to feel human again and less zombie-like. Yeah, it affects people differently. I had it. Um, I got it a few i don't know probably beginning of the year maybe like february or march or something i think i got it and it's funny i was working out and then after my workout I had my normal protein shake i couldn't taste it that's a bit strange <laughs> i felt 100 percent normal but i just couldn't yeah. taste it. what's going on here i didn't know whether there was, you know, something was on with the drink and then i realized yeah. that i couldn't smell or taste anything mm. i thought oh, maybe that's what it is um that was it honestly that was it I think maybe yeah. the next, by the next, this was the morning, by the next night, I think I was starting to taste my dinner again. So it was like 48 hours of no taste, no headache. Yeah. I still done my workouts as normal, went for my 5K jogs as normal. Um, I didn't have any of the brain fog, which I was a little bit concerned about, to be honest. I hate that. Nothing worse mm. than brain fog. Um, I wasn't lethargic. I didn't have a cough, nothing. I didn't mm. have any of the phlegm that you mentioned. Um, yeah. Nothing. My wife had it and my wife had pretty much the same as what I did, very mild, but she had a burning feeling. Anytime she would eat or drink certain things, she would get like this oh, in weird her chest? burning throat, chest. Yeah. 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 Okay. She never felt it before. She says she's never felt that sort of sensation before. Um, yeah. My kids got it. They were good, except for my son. He got it quite bad. He was a bit feverish and headache. Um, the rest of them, it's like a little bit of a cold, but I did have the flu mm. about probably two or three months after that. And let me tell you, that was absolutely yeah, I've shocking. Heard that. that was so yeah. bad. I could not, <laughs> I'll never forget. I was laying down. I woke up. I could not stop shivering. I'm, I was doing jogs, laps mm. around the house, trying to show, I was yeah. could not stop shaking. And I thought, you know what? The way I felt if I was 60 or 70, like you see why people die of the flu. Yeah. But it was so bad. And I look after yeah. myself. I take my supplements. I eat well. I exercise every day. Um, and if it got me that bad, I couldn't imagine if I was, you know, some slob yeah. that doesn't look after yeah. <laughs> myself. Um, it almost put you in, well, it would put you in hospital. It was quite bad. Yeah. Yeah. I have um, the same sort of family members that got COVID, same as you. Before I didn't get the flu, I was around them, but I never caught it. I, I just sort of fought it off. But they got the flu and they were in bed for like a week with the same thing, shivering and this. And after they had COVID, they're like, I'd rather COVID than the flu because they had it close together so they could, you know, compare the two. Yeah. 
Um, but it's interesting with the taste. I was fine with taste. And then midweek, I lost my taste. And it was the weirdest feeling ever. Um, and I started researching why you lose your taste. And apparently COVID does something with taking the zinc out of your body. And it's a lack of zinc that makes you lose your taste. So I started popping supplements of zinc and I got my taste back the next day. Um, but it was a really weird feeling. You're eating food like you and you're like, I don't know if this milk's off. Or yeah. if it's if, it, if I'm off, there's something not right about it. It was a very interesting experience because I've never lost my taste in my life for any other sickness. So it was it was weird. You know, neither have I. That's what I thought. I felt 100% normal. I thought I just finished it. It was a heavy workout I did. I just finished it, and then when I had my shake, I realised I can't taste. It's strange because I don't feel sick. Like when mm. do you ever lose your taste and feel normal? Or something's <laughs> yeah. wrong. I thought maybe the protein powder was off, or there was no flavour in it, or something. I didn't know what it was. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's funny how, and I supplement with zinc every day, regardless, mm. I supplement with zinc year round. Yeah, I usually do too. So it could be why I got it back so quick. If you said it's a lack of zinc. Yeah, apparently. I mean, this is the problem around everything with COVID is there haven't been these conversations and there's not been allowed to be conversations with doctors. So we really don't, I don't think know enough about it um, because we've heard such a one-sided argument. And if you talk about anything else, natural supplements or natural remedies, or dare I say the banned drugs, or so you know, mm. dare I say that. And I think, you know, having conversations would be helpful in um, even just the recovery and just the treatment of things. I mean, if people knew um, it took your zinc out and you upped your zinc or whatever, like that would be really helpful. But mm. yeah, unfortunately, not enough people are having conversations from both sides to come to a rational conclusion about it. So, mm. you know, it's like that with a lot of viruses, you know, only recently I was reading a study, there's multiple studies. I didn't, I didn't know this, that apparently... They've shown that honey is better for children in terms of stopping a cough than cough medicine. Like it's not even close. <laughs> honey is so much better for children to stop or at least suppress a cough, even temporarily, than cough medicine. Yet if you go to a doctor or a pharmacist or whoever and you explain it, they'll try and give you this cough medicine, that cough medicine. Not one of them have said, oh, listen, have you tried honey? The evidence is clear on honey that it's better than cough medicine. But yet no one talks about it. So it's not just with COVID. I think it's with a lot of things. It's all medicine. All I think medicine. the last few years have been really good for health-wise because mm. we're starting to care about our health more because we've realised, like, if you don't have your health, what do you have? Like, health is mm. so important. Um, and so people are taking more of an interest in their health. And not only that, we feel like we've been so lied to and, and there's so much mistrust between health organisations and, and, and your average person. So people mm. are taking personal responsibility again and looking into things, which I actually think in a great turn of events will be a silver lining to all this. We will start to take back our health, our personal responsibility. We won't just listen to doctors. We'll go, well, hang on. I'm, I appreciate and, and respect that you, you are a doctor and I'm not, but I'm still going to take the information you've given me and I'm going to look into this and maybe talk to another doctor and get a second opinion. And then you come to your rational conclusion and what you're comfortable with as a person. So it's been good for that. But it's funny you mentioned honey. I've gone down a rabbit hole with honey, Chris. I've gone rab down rabbit holes with everything, which um, you obviously will find out the more you get to know me. But um, honey is like a gift because um, 
it, and it's interesting. I only have raw honey. I don't, I don't buy honey from the shop because just like raw milk, they, they heat it up and all the enzymes and all the good things in it get destroyed with that process. Um, but they say, you know, raw honey's got bacteria and you can't have it. All these other sorts of things similarly to mm. raw milk, but I have raw honey. I've got, um, honey here on the farm and, um, I also source honey from other farmers literally next door. And what they say, the benefits of raw honey is incredible. So if you have hay fever, source a beekeeper that lives near you within a few kilometers of your home. Because if you take a spoon of that a day, you build up an immunity to the pollen that's around your house because mm. it goes into your gut and then you don't have hay fever. And I can testify that to be true. I've been doing it for years and I have suffered such strong hay fever and I haven't. This last 12 months, I haven't been doing the honey because of the rain and everything in the bees it's just been really difficult to source that raw honey and i had the worst hay fever this year that i've ever had since stop taking the raw honey but honey's amazing but they don't want and they say kids shouldn't have it because of the bacteria and it can kill them it's just insane how much mm. misinformation there is out there um like with all mm. things you be careful but um there's just such a lack of discernment amongst people when it comes to that. And I think we've really lost the art and the knowledge of natural medicines and how much better they are for us than big pharmaceuticals. Yeah. We learn a lot. We can learn a lot from tribes. There's many tribes around the world that yeah. are still living isolated and they have their own way of doing things and mm -hmm. look at them. They're in their 50s, 60s, 70s. A doctor, um, I don't know, do you know the carnivore MD? Yep. Yep. Paul, uh, Dr. Paul Saladino, he went to visit a tribe. I can't remember which one it was now. He's visited a few of them. But on this particular visit, he checked all their vitals, checked their blood pressure, done all these tests on them. Mm -hmm. And they are like a 20-year-old Western man. Yeah. Right? And they're in their 50s and 60s and 70s. They have no health problems. They don't have access to medicine. Mm. Uh, this one particular tribe, all they eat is meat. That's it. All they eat is meat. Yeah. Um, and they're as healthy as you can imagine. They have no digestive issues. They say you need fiber. You need to eat plants for fiber. Autoimmune diseases. No autoimmune disease. Yeah. Um, right. Well, autism was non-existent. I think the tribe was full of multiple tribes that he visited was somewhat like a community. And there was, I think, 300. I'd have to find. I don't want to give you the wrong information, but a large group. And they're just the things that we've become accustomed to and almost is considered normal for us autoimmune disease autism it's not doesn't exist out there mm. so it makes yeah. you wonder why well there's a there's actually a dentist i don't know if you've heard about this i think he was it was a long time ago like i'm talking like 100 years or something ago um but he um, started to notice a decline in children's um, mouths. So when he was doing dentistry work, he noticed just like the roof of people's mouths weren't developing properly and that was making people have crooked teeth and that was making children grind their teeth and lose their molars. Um, and he was sort of, he started going off in, a, in an endeavor to try and figure out why um, Western children, why their mouths were so much worse um, than he'd ever seen before in his lifetime. And he did exactly what the carnivore MD did in, he traveled to all the native countries around the world. I think he came to Australia. He went over to South America. He went to some of the um, tribes in Canada. Um, and this was back when 
there were more native tribes and things like that. And he traveled like global scale. Like it was huge. He's written a book about it. Actually, it's quite amazing. But he studied all the mouths of these children from these other tribes and they were perfect. They all had straight teeth. They had no cavities, no holes. All of the the arch on the inside of their mouth was developed properly. Their jawline was better because their mouth was better. So their breathing was better. They had no asthma, all of these other sorts of factors. And he wrote this massive study about it. And he studied the diets of these tribes and he found that they were all basically on animals or animal products there's no pesticides there's no preservative there's no artificial colors or flavors there's no none of these uh, pharmaceutical products they literally live off the land they cultivate harvest their own products they um all their animals are grass-fed grass-finished no grains none of these introduced gmo foods Mm. and their health was like perfect and i'm pretty sure there was a native tribe that he went off one of the islands off a Australia um, and there were 70 year old men like you were talking um, that were ripped like they had like a 12 pack like these abs and they're on the beach like with their abs showing and they just looked fit and healthy and if, if you were to look at that photo you would think it was a 25 to 30 year old male and he was mm. close to 80 and you have a look at all of these native tribes how fit they are and it's just remarkable it's amazing mm. and sadly I think we've lost so much of that like we've supposedly advanced with civilization from these native tribes but i think they have a much better way of life in Mm. health wise than us um and we could really learn from them and how they eat and the medicines that they use because i'd like to look like them when i'm 70 to 80. that would be amazing if i could look like that at their age but But, not only physically but mentally better like they're happy like if you look at these these tribes around the world, and even in countries where you would you would assume, without knowing, you would assume that there's you know large rates of depression and all these other uh, mental illnesses. Nothing. It's mm. in the West. We have depression in the West is so bad, but yet everything for us is so convenient. Like yeah. we don't have to hunt for our food. It, we just go to the shop and buy it, take it back, cook it, done. We have access yeah. to everything instantly. Right, but yet we're as depressed as we've ever been before, ever. Yeah. And and if you look at these other tribes that have nothing, they're so much happier than we are. They're just grateful for waking up in the morning and having food. Like they're just happy with basics. We've become so accustomed to needing nice cars, nice houses, wanting to do this, do that, this job, that job, this shirt. You know, it's it's we're heading the wrong path and anyone that thinks that we're advanced, I don't necessarily believe that we're advanced. We might be advanced in terms of technology Technology. and and Mm. certain medicines, but those medicines are only necessary because of the lives that we're living. Mm. Like you don't need blood pressure medication in these tribes. They don't need, because they haven't got high blood pressure. Same with cholesterol. And that's something, another rabbit hole. Yeah. I know. Myself about, I'm sure you, about (laughs) cholesterol. Yeah. Yeah, right. So there's so many things. And when once you start realizing you put the pieces together. You actually need cholesterol to live and survive and be healthy, despite well, what they important. tell you. It's very yeah. important. It helps your immune system. It helps the conversion of, of vitamin D. Yeah. Uh, it's incredibly beneficial. And yet they give you drugs to suppress it mm. because they say that it causes heart attacks. And I've done a lot of research into that, into the, risk, uh, the link between high cholesterol and heart disease. And let me tell you now, based on what I've read and who I've listened to, 
I do believe there is a link there if you have other issues. Insulin sensitivity is what the big one. But uh, I can't say conclusively that high cholesterol leads to heart disease. I don't think it does. I think there's other factors that are necessary for that to happen. I don't think high cholesterol on its own, let's say you're in perfect health, everything's good, but you have high cholesterol. Your risk of heart disease will be no different to someone with low cholesterol. Based on what I've read and, and the studies I've read, the papers I've read, and also the there's a few of them. Dr. Sean Baker is one of them. Uh, we spoke about uh, Dr. Paul Saladino before is another one. There's many. There's actually a website you can go on. It's called think, T-H-I-N-C.org, which is, uh, have you been on there before? No, I haven't been on that one. So it's a website uh, that's articles and blogs written by qualified professionals, doctors, scientists, who are giving you a completely different view on mm. cholesterol and the role it, pla uh, it plays in our bodies. It's incredible. Yeah. It's completely different. It's the opposite to what you've been told through yeah. mainstream medicine. So um, it's important to keep an open mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, I, I definitely think what you, you hit the nail on the head um, you're not, you're not saying it doesn't cause it, but there are other factors involved. I think that's with a lot of illnesses. I think saw that with COVID, I think the people that were hit hard had comorbidities, whether they were diabetic, morbidly obese, they had asthma that it, you know, there's other factors involved and it's almost like a combustion of all those factors that leads to the harshest of symptoms or severity of that particular illness and disease mm. um i think that goes for cholesterol i totally agree there's if cholesterol is going to have an effect there has to be other things at play as well mm. with your health for it to combust and get to that yeah yeah that's what i said it's on everyone i think everyone needs to do their own research into anything don't just blindly follow anything you can't do that you have to do mm. people will say well you're not qualified to do research because you're not a scientist or a doctor, but you don't have to be. That's the point of studies. It's all there for you. They've done it. It, it doesn't yeah. take much for you to read it, read their conclusion and, and put it together in your own head. I mean, you see some studies out there that will, that will, you know, prove something to be false and you read the study and there's like three or four people that they did the study and you're like, well, that's not a large enough study. Making <laughs> yeah. that decision based on three or four people. So there's so many like that. So it is really important to look into things and, and do your own research. And we're very fortunate that we have the internet and that we have the ability yeah. to do that. I yeah. couldn't imagine I what it was like 50 years ago. Well, look at our parents. <laughs> that's how we know the yeah, boomer generation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like let's turn on channel seven, channel nine, channel two. Let's just mm. believe what we're told. Like we are the product of, well, we're, we're the spawn, the offspring of that product and the result mm. of that. I think the biggest, um, group of people who are blind to everything going on is that generation um mm. and i think it's all by design i think that's what they're trying to do now you know you said you know we can and we are capable of coming to conclusions even if we're not a doctor a hundred percent but they want to tell you that you're not capable of that so they say mm. to you you're not a scientist you're not this to shut you down so that you be quiet and be a good little boy or a good little girl and you mm. just listen and get spoon fed the information that they want you to do they have convinced the masses of people that they're incapable of basic human functionality. I mean, from the beginning of time, people have been able to go, 
Oh, that's a hot thing there. I'm not going to pick it up with my hand. I don't need to be a scientist to know that touching something hot is going to burn. Like that's a human functionality process. And like with all things, um, you have experts in the field that you can listen and absorb information. But as a human being, we have the ability and the processes to come to rational conclusions about things. That's where logic and reason comes in. And they don't teach logic and reason in school. They teach memorization and they get teachers who are going to tell them things to memorize that fits their agenda and their narrative. But us as human beings, we are so much more capable than they want you to believe. So we don't need to be a doctor. I don't need to be a mother or a wife or transgender or this or that to have an opinion on all of those subjects because I'm a human being and I have an inherited nature as a human being and I have a brain and I can use logic and reason to come to conclusions. So yeah, it's, it's a lie. That's one of the great lies that they've told us is that we're too dumb to know better. Yeah. Well, I've, I shared a video about this a while ago, a few months ago now, where I said that you have to think 50 years ago that our parents and grandparents, the only information they had access to was through TV, the radio or the newspaper. That's it. Yeah. There was nothing else. Right. And it's not a conspiracy. It's a fact is that governments have controlled and it was quite easy for them Hmm. to control all avenues of information. TV, radio, newspaper. It's tax funded in Australia. That's right. Exactly right. So they could control all of that um, and they had no issues. There's a a moon landing. We spoke about that before. (laughs) Right. That's one example of it. There's so many examples of it. But then you have now where you have a generation that have the internet and we're causing, Mm. we're giving them a mass, we're giving them a headache. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And I believe that's why, I believe that's the purpose of fact checking is to try and take back some of that control that they had when they only had those three basic forms of, yeah. of media. Because now it's getting out of hand. But for them, they can't control the, the flow of information. Mm. So what do they do? They start telling you, well, listen, no, we're telling you this is wrong. So you need yeah. to believe this, not that. And as I've said, if you want to know if there's any more behind a particular subject, you just search it up on Wikipedia. Because Wikipedia, I don't know if you've noticed this, lock articles hmm. and there are certain articles there that have locked and you think some of them is reasonable you go okay i see why they've locked that but then some of them they'll lock these particular articles but they won't lock other ones that are significantly more important but you look at what they do and, and that's what it's not just wikipedia as many websites like that they're they're controlling the narrative they're controlling the stories they're telling you you need to believe this that's a lie so believe what we're telling you I mean, Jacinta Ardern said it, that we're the only source of truth. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's, I, I still can't believe that she said that in a, in a democratic country saying that we're the only source of truth. If you didn't hear it from us, don't believe it. Mm. Yeah. That's a big problem. But yeah, people don't seem to see that. Mm. It's, no. it's bizarre. But it comes from our education, though. Kids have been trained to just believe that st- sort of stuff. Again, mm. like if you look at classical education, which was – the majority of education, like of our ancestors, um, 
the main topics that they taught in classical education curriculums was logic and reason. And mm. they actually gave uh, kids um, like and classical education was led by like Christians and churches and things, but they actually gave like young children books about Darwinism and things like mm. that, because back then they said, we're not actually going to shelter them from this. We're going to give them everything from every side, but what to read, but what we're teaching is logic and reason. And they actually had those as main subjects and pillars of the curriculum. So these kids were able to read about evolution and able to read about creation. And then they'll talk logic and reason and then children were able to come to their own conclusions based on their own thought processes and in taking in and out information and there's this amazing um school in moscow idaho in america who who teach classical education and they went to this like um full-on like state-funded university and they had kids from this classical education sitting in that particular po in, in that particular um like what are they called lecture theater rooms and they had kids that were from that university sitting in there and they had someone up the front talking about creationism over evolutionism and the big bang theory and they were going through all of this sort of stuff and the lecturer sort of sat in the room and you would think by what people are told that christians are in a bubble and christians don't know things christian parents want to keep their kids away from the world so they're they're naive and stupid and dumb. But in this lecturer sort of pointed out the hypocrisy of that because he sort of said in there, you know, who believes in evolution, who believes in um, creationism? And they had show of hands in this lecture theater up and down. And there's like, who in here who said that they believe in evolution has read the book of Darwinism? And that was it. Who in here who believes in creationism has uh, read the book of Darwinism and all the education has put their hands up. So the people who believe in evolution, but have never read about it, <laughs> kept their hand down. And it was just the mm -hmm. irony that, um, and it just goes to show the way education is. And I, I don't care what you believe or another, I know what I believe, but I'm just saying and trying to point out the fact here that education today tells children what to think and mm. not how to think and classical mm. education like i look at like my grandparents and i look at generations before that they might not be as technologically advanced but their minds were more advanced their way of thinking was more advanced and it all comes down to that today we tell kids what to think um, and they regurgitate that information. But if you got them to try to solve something from the very basic foundations of solve problem solving, sadly, I don't think they'd be able to. Um, and I no. think until we go back to teaching about logic and reason, we're gonna find ourselves in the same problem, which is people who are so convicted that something is the truth and they believe it, that this is the truth, merely because that's just what they've been told. Yeah. And, yeah. They get very defensive over certain things and the climate change is probably the big one at the moment where people just refuse to consider any other possibility. And when I say climate change, I'm referring to human caused climate change. I don't think yeah. people, I think we all know that the climate changes. It's completely normal and natural, but yeah, human caused climate change. When you try and have a discussion about that, people don't want to hear it. They start call, what, do they call, um, what do they call you? Climate denier or a climate lot. denier? Yeah, denier. That's right. Denier. I thought, well, no, I'm not. I'm just using my brain. I mean, we had the ice age. What, what, there was no people. What caused that? What, fossil fuels back then? 
No, that no. What calls the ice age? They can't give you an answer. And it's the same with these people. Like they they don't have answers to the questions, but yet they're so conv- their their beliefs are so strong, and they defend them. And it's good. Well, th- that's the funniest thing about atheists. I find is that when you ask them a question, they go, "Do you believe in God?" No. Well, how did the world start? Oh, you know, there was this thing, and it collided with this thing, and it caused this, and then there was bacteria, and then you ask them a few more questions to go deeper and they have no idea. Right. It's like, so your belief is based on nothing. Like you can't answer the question, but yet you don't believe that there's a creator. And if you ask someone who really doesn't matter what religion, any religion, that will tell you that, well, God created everything. God doesn't, you know, he's there. Nothing created him. Otherwise he ceases to be God. Uh, There's an explanation for it. They go, well, God created everything. That's it. But at least that's, they've got an answer. Atheists don't have an answer. They bring up the Big Bang Theory. But the Big Bang Theory now is being questioned by by science. They're questioning mm. the existence of the Big Bang Theory. So it's a tough one. But I find that's very, and I'll say this, and I truly believe that. I believe that religion is, not so much religion, but just the belief in in God is very important. Or human beings. And you know, in terms of society and holding society together, if you look at societies that are void of, of religion, they, they're falling apart. They're just immorality everywhere. The degenerates walking around us. It's That's the West. like what's happening here, right? <laughs> and you look at other countries that are, you know, they still have their values of family. And it's somewhat normal. It's like you're taking a step back in time. right? But that's optimal. I believe that's optimal for us. It gives us a sense of right and wrong. I mean, that's how we know things are wrong. Like, how do we know that stealing is wrong? How do we know that as a species that stealing is wrong? Mm. We know that because of, I mean, but before religion was a big thing, people would often steal from each other. There was a book that I read. It's called, um, what's it called? I think it was The Sex at Dawn by Chris Ryan. And he explains that, that stealing was very common. And it wasn't something that was really frowned upon as such. Um, and then, you know, once reli- once religion entered and people were, they had a set of, I guess, moral principles and guidelines that they followed. And that's guided us to where we are today. But I feel like the more that we we lose religion in the West, and that's very evident, there's definitely, absolutely, there's an attack on religion in the West, for sure. And I believe it's because of the the need for power is they realize it's very hard to control people that believe in God. doesn't matter what God they believe in. It's very hard to control someone who believes in a higher being. Yeah. Um, could be Absolutely. one of the reasons I believe yeah. as to why they're attacking it. Well, everybody wants to be their own God and that's the problem because every person has their own set of rules and has their own set of morals and their moral compass. And that's the whole idea of relativism, like moral relativism and the whole subjectivist philosophy is, you know, well, if it's relative to the time or the majority of people, then that makes it right and wrong. The problem with that and the the biggest flaw with that is if we adopt a relativist worldview, um, which interchanges with people and culture and time, Mm. then 
us sitting here in the West, how dare we speak about gays being thrown off buildings in Saudi Arabia? Because that's relative to their culture, their time, their religion, and what they're doing over there. Mm. So why is it the people in the West sit here and go, that's not right, that's wrong? Well, and, and this is where they, they fall on their own sword because they themselves believe in a relativist worldview yet they sit here and criticize other people for that. So you need to have an objective and an unchanging authority. And what is that? That's God, because God sets the rules, God sets the standards, God sets the moral compass, and then we abide by that. And it's when we reject God and we reject that ultimate authority on what is right and wrong that we become godless and depraved. And that's when we start going backwards. Yeah. And I think that the West has become a godless nation um yeah. nations and i think that's why we're falling so far from this moral compass because when you rely on the interchanging emotions and relativist worldviews of people um it's going to be inconsistent and it, it's it's literally going to be incompatible with our way of life and you know you mentioned before about stealing well that's a huge pillar um uh i guess biblical moral foundation in the bible and uh you know the 10 commandments are so simple are so basic mm. one of them is to not steal um mm. and so yeah that was something that religion the 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 uh christian religion brought into the west um that was quite big and it is seen and even throughout the bible it's seen stealing is it's that's a person's property you don't do that mm. um and you know so those sorts of pillars from the 10 commandments which do not murder do not steal do not commit adultery you know do not covet um all these sorts of things um are, are the basic structures of how we formed our morality in the west and it's sort of how we determined our laws on a federal and state level it all stems from those morals those yeah. morals that were given to us by godless by by god-fearing men and not godless men um and yeah i think we get it really wrong i think that you know i said this in one of my speeches in sydney that the greatest threat to tyranny is a group of people who pledged their allegiance to something greater than the state and mm. that's that's a group of people who pledge their allegiance to god because mm. in doing that you not only hold a nation accountable you're holding more morally uh fruitful towards those sorts of things and then that makes the nation better so it's yeah it's a, it's a complex thing but it's also pretty pretty basic understanding as well you know you you reject what's what god's made and you reject his goodness then you're going to end up with individual people who want to make up their own rules and be their own god and that's what it is it's man fighting god from adam all the way through to mm. now well, you know what, and this is something that I don't like, is when that, I'm sure you've seen it, I, I've posted about it, when the FIFA World Cup was in Qatar yes. and you had people <laughs> from the West, journalists from the West, trying to push their agenda there. Yes. And it, it clearly didn't work. Hypocrites. Right? And you know what, though, I love that. I, I've said it before, and I'll, I'll proudly say it. I, I love the way that those countries like Qatar, you can't corrupt them in terms of that. Like they are so strict with their views on on certain things, and they said it: "Don't wear your pride shirt into this event." <laughs> and by the end of it, no one wore a pride shirt into the event. Where if this, if that happened here or in oh, America, 
they, they, <laughs> they'd backflip within 30 seconds, right? Yeah. Those countries, they hold on to their, their religion, which is their, their moral principles. And it's like, who are we to go over there and try and tell them that we need to be more tolerant? Like, who are you? Why are you, you don't live there. It's not your country. Why are you so, yeah. and then you preach about tolerance, but yet you're completely intolerant to their, to their culture and to their religion and to their morals and values. How can you then come back and ask others to be tolerant of yours? Mm. And I seen when, well, when they had the, the, I think it was the today show with Carl Stefanovic and whoever his offsider is, um, she's replaced Tracy Grimshaw, whatever her name is. You probably know who I'm talking about. Maybe. Samantha they, something. Um, it's, no, no, I think what it is now. Anyway, not important. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, they had a segment and I was speaking to someone in at the World Cup, one of their correspondents, and they were making a big deal out of how weird it is there, that it's so quiet and peaceful and there's no, like, and you know what that is? It's the fact that no one's drunk. It's the fact that <laughs> no people alcohol. are walking around there drunk on drugs. Everyone's acting normal as if we would behave normally without alcohol, <laughs> without drugs. And they're making out like it's the weirdest thing. I'm like, yeah. is that how far we've fallen back that, you have to drink to have a good time. Yeah. And that's what I've noticed over Christmas. Everyone's like, have a drink. I don't want to drink. Why? They look at you weird. Like, why? Yeah. What do you mean, why? I don't <laughs> want one. If you asked me if I wanted something to eat and I said no, you wouldn't question that. So Unless why you you're a Greek me? lady who's who's one of those feeders. Well, yes. Yeah. But yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. They're like questioning. Yeah. It's weird. Like, it's very strange, the Western culture. It's very bizarre. The fact that we look at people mm. who choose not to drink as being weird. Well, not really. Yeah. Like it's not weird yeah. at all. Yeah. I think, um, you know, this whole moral relativism thing, they can't admit the truth because they admit that what they believe uh, is inconsistent. Like they, it literally turns around on themselves. They're outraged mm. at the World Cup and things like that. If you're outraged at that, you have to admit that moral relativism is incompatible and it doesn't work. You have to yeah. then admit, well, where do you get your morals from? If it's not from moral relativism or subjectivism, what you subjectively believe is right and wrong. If it's not that, well, what is your ultimate authority? Where does your morality come from? And if they say, oh, well, democracy, majority, I'm like, well, that's what's happening in in the World Cup in Qatar. Like, yeah. you see what I mean? They, they have to admit that their own worldview is wrong if they wanna criticize and other persons and they, yeah, and they right. won't do that. So they fall on themselves. Um, but yeah, the whole drinking thing, I don't, I don't drink at all. Um, no. I can't even remember the last time I have, I'm not against it. I just don't like the taste of it and it makes me feel crap. So I'm like, if it tasted really good and I felt crap, maybe every now and then I'd go, I'll have one glass of wine because it's worth it. Cause it tastes good, but I don't enjoy the taste of it. So no. I don't drink it. Sometimes honey mead, which uh, the local beekeeper makes around here will have. I don't really see that as alcohol. I do that as more medicinal sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't mind a, a port, a really nice like port, but you have a thimble size and sipper. But I cannot remember the last time I had a drink. I'm totally not against it. People in my family do it, but I don't touch it. But it's interesting when I was in the police, um, massive drinking culture in the police, and it used mm -hmm. to be trying to get me to have a drink. That was like a game for them. Like it was like enjoyable for them to try to peer pressure me into it. And I just didn't really end up, I, under, I didn't really hang out with cops. Outside it's so, it's cops. so weird. It's weird. Like that's weird for me. That yeah, it was insane. It. People thought I was like, yeah, like you said, a weirdo. Like 
like, oh, you can't trust someone who doesn't drink. It's like, really? I'm probably way more trustworthy right now because I've got all my brain cells intact and you're That's drunk. Right. Um, but right. yet people used to say, oh, you, you can never trust someone who won't have a beer with you or something like that. And it's just our culture is incredibly regressive and damaging mm. and backwards, yet it's just like majority of us just accept it. That's just our way of life. But um, I certainly am not against the consumption of alcohol, um, but I'm against the culture that pushes it and the culture that says you have to have it to be normal. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's the only thing that they get pushed. Like <laughs> it's like people forget ultimately it's a poison, right? People choose it is, to drink it. It's a it. depressant. Of course it is. So if you want to drink that's fine. Completely fine. But it's but it's just it's strange that that people look at you weird if you don't want to have a drink. It's bizarre. It's like the yeah. only thing in the world that's, there's nothing like it. But people don't do that with cigarettes. Do you want a cigarette? No, no. Oh, like that's, it's bizarre. But anyway, yeah. that's, um, as I said, part Another of rabbit hole. our culture out here. <laughs> yeah. But no, I don't, I don't drink. I just don't see a benefit to it really. What for? Hmm. Well, I, I mean, the, I, I think alcohol's it. changed a lot as well. Like if you look at the Bible, um, you know, like say 6,000 years ago or even history, like mm. wine has been used for all kinds of things. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people who used to use wine to settle gut issues. So if you had mm. an unsettled stomach, it's actually in the Bible. Um, mm. You know, one of um, uh, the people in the Bible was sort of saying that they're feeling sick in the stomach and someone says, have a glass of wine to settle your stomach. So it, it's, I, I think that alcohol has gone from its purpose and what it was made and it's, changed into something and that not mm. just goes with culture i think that goes with product i think that alcohol maybe wasn't designed to be 60 percent alcohol <laughs> you know yeah. i don't know if wine was even meant to be like that um and the f fermentation process or even just like the sulfates that are in it now mm. they like they mess people up um i i don't think that what wine was is what wine is today or alcohol and that goes yeah as i said not just culturally but also the tangible physical product as well, well like much mainstream. of our food and drink it's gone mainstream yeah. and the same thing is happening right now to um to cannabis if you look at what's happening to cannabis mm. now cannabis has always had medicinal properties always but now because it's become mainstream it's legalized you can now buy like mango flavored cannabis and this strain mixed with this one and it does this yeah. like they do it what once it loses like alcohol as you said but in saying that just quickly back to that was the wine they're referring to in the bible was that alcoholic wine because i know you can make wine that's just crushed up yeah fruit juice, well <laughs> yeah, no, it was because the Bible speaks specifically on drunkenness okay. um, and, and the Bible specifically talks about sobriety and not leading your brothers astray in their drunkenness and things like that. So okay. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, there is wine that would, um, you can have today that doesn't have alcohol and you can get it from Woolies, the non-alcoholic like yeah. sparkling wines and stuff. So um What's it called? Mason or oh, I don't know the name of it, but yeah, I know what you're referring to, but the Bible specifically talks about wine in the context of drunkenness. So I think contextually speaking with the wine, it, it would contain alcohol in what they're speaking about um, because of the context of the word. And, you know, when you translate from the original text from Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament, and the words are the same and the same meanings, you go, well, if they're speaking about drunkenness here, 
um, in, in this and it means this there, then it means the same there. And if it meant something different, they, there'd be a different Greek or Hebrew word to translate it. So I think that, yeah, it definitely was alcoholic um, and drunkenness has been a problem since the beginning of time. Um, but I think that uh, I still think it's it's very different and people drank differently than, than what they do today. Yeah, um, very different. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people are drinking so. alcohol that's, yeah, as you said, 60% alcohol. It's not yeah. normal. I don't know if they had spirits back in biblical days. I have to look into it. I, you know, you hear them talk about wine and I'm sure there's other fermentation mm. processes and things like that. But, yeah, you get moonshine today, you get vodka, you get all like yeah. whiskey, you get all these other things that are a really high percentage, like 40 mm. to 60% sort of alcohol and um, I don't know, like whether that's well, they're much worse not. for you. I do believe that wine isn't bad for you if you drink it in moderation. You're responsible with it. You have a little glass. People say you have a little glass and it's good for you, and I don't doubt that. But the problem is, Australians don't drink like that. No, we don't. Right? We get good bags and hang it to goon our bags. Get peg it to our clothesline and fling it around. What's that called? Wheel of Fortune with yeah. with the goon bag, and if it lands on you, I've actually never played that, but I've seen that. I'm like, there's just nothing more Aussie than that, and that's sad because that is it our is. culture, and yeah. it shouldn't be. We used to have that. I remember the six, fifteen, sixteen years old, and my mates would we'd find someone who's eighteen and they'd buy us because that's all we needed for one night. Like we'd a buy goon like bag. A, a nine dollar goon bag, and that would like be four or five of us, and that'd be that'd be us for the night. Because <laughs> like nine dollars was cheap, um, but, yeah. oh my god, the I get it from four bucks from Aldi now, Chris. <laughs> the wait, four dollars. Well, yeah, way, you, get, you get a bottle of wine for four bucks at Aldi now. The way I used Not to feel after apparently. drinking a goon bag, I don't, I wouldn't wish it on my enemy. When you no, wake up after awful. smashing half a goon bag, you wake up. Oh yuck! I have in my entire bag. life, and I'm over thirty. I've only been drunk once. Um, and, um, one other time was, um, it, again, it was a work thing and somebody slipped and this is why they thought it was a funny joke. Somebody put a shot of vodka in one of my glasses of wine. Um, so that maybe, but that was, but my own doing my own sinful, awful, like I've only been drunk once and I was 17 and, um, I'm actually grateful that happened because I never wanted to touch alcohol again. And I never yeah. went there because the feeling was that awful. I was like, yeah, like you said, I would, you wouldn't wish this on your enemy. It's that horrible. And yeah. I, I remember I was like 17 and um, had a Smirnoff double black and it was a double black and I had never touched alcohol. I grew up in a Christian home. So yeah. I, it, I think I took like one can and I was like, woo, I was off. And it was just awful, the sick mm. feeling. And I was 17. I never touched alcohol, got drunk ever since. I'm not saying every kid should get drunk, so they don't. But I'm um, I'm grateful that that happened because I never touched alcohol my whole life. And I've never been drunk and I've never done anything like that since then. It's good, because... though. It's not a bad thing. People make out that, it's, as I said to you before, it's weird that it's straight. It's not, though. Like, I don't like – I hate the feeling of not being in control. Like I remember in the past, I've even had pain medication for whatever I had wrong, like a tooth pain or something. And even sometimes that would make me feel a little bit, whoa, right? Like endone or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. I hate that. I hate not feeling completely 100% in control 
you haven't had function- a child or given birth, ask your wife whether she is happy to not feel in control. That's maybe is. the one time where you're like, okay, I'm happy to not be in control and not feel anything during childbirth. We, we anyway, have, sorry, we have, going. we have the debate of, we have the debate of childbirth, <laughs> childbirth versus getting kicked in the balls. We still have that. You didn't, surely all not. The time. No. I said, it's worse. No, it's not. I said, yes. Are you still sleeping in the spare room or have you gotten over that discussion? No. You know, it, it's just funny because we can, it's something that will never be resolved because how are we going to know? But they did an experiment on it. Haven't you seen the video? They got like the electronic things yeah, attached but is to that, a guy. I've seen that. Yeah, but is I that, know. That can't possibly be. Because you guys don't have a uterus. Like, you don't have a uterus. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, you don't have the same organ. So I do th- see this is where logic and reason comes in. Because now I'm thinking about that video. I'm like, that wouldn't be an accurate thing. Because women have stomach muscles, men have stomach muscles, but we're not testing stomach muscles. We're testing the uterus and the cervix and men don't have that. So I don't think yeah, I don't think it's, men it's will ever send and we don't have testicles. So we we can't know. Det- know what that would feel like. Yeah, interesting. That's- when we go to heaven, we'll find out and then um, you guys can all apologize to us for your misunderstandings. I want to, <laughs> the reason why I say that is because I know the pain. I know the pain and I know that <laughs> there's nothing I've been, I've been stabbed in the hand in one incident and then I was stabbed through the shoulder in another incident when I was younger. And I, I, like, that's probably the worst thing I've felt besides getting kicked in the balls. And it's not comparable. <laughs> like it's that, See, that, that women pain think is that's so an severe. Excuse. No, trust us me. Us women like, think it's like, oh, they're just, they just want us to think that they're, you know. Your body, got... your body shuts down. <laughs> People don't understand that. You can't do anything. Oh, like yeah. if someone kicked you and then a train was coming, you physically couldn't move out of the way. Like it shut your body down. Like that's what I mean. How can it be any, it can't be any worse than that. It's as bad as it gets. I guess that's why it shuts your brain down. Men are like it. When they, I guess that makes sense. I don't know what goes on, but I'll tell you what. It's, There's some connection between there and, and the brain and functionality. Maybe, yeah, maybe you're onto something, Chris. It's a punish. But, but quickly back to that, that drinking subject. Is it a sin to get drunk? Yes. Okay. Now is that, but it's not a sin to drink a little bit. No, it's, it's not a sin to drink. Um, it's a sin to be drunk. Um, yeah. Because there's quite a few religions that deem any alcohol consumption to be sinful. Correct. Christianity is not one of those. You can. It's perfectly fine to drink. But there is there is a few off groups of Christianity that also believe that drinking is sinful. Mm. Like, well, Jewish people, I think, or oh, maybe they don't actually. Um, but well, because with Christianity, you've got, there's, you've got the 10 commandments, right? You've got, you've got those sorts of things, but then there's like God's nature and inherited nature that you have to abide by. And Mm. there's also certain things that stipulate a Christian's conscience um, Mm. as well. And your conscience, um, if something goes in contradiction to your conscience, even if it's not a sin, if you're going against your conscience, that does become a sin, if that makes sense. And yeah. there's a Bible verse that talks about leading your brothers and, and stuff astray, which is basically if, for example, if I knew that you were an alcoholic and you and yeah. I were hanging out and I said, let's go to the pub. Um, and I sat there and had a beer and you were next to me. That is my sin, even though I'm yeah. not sinning. Cause I'm not, that would be a sin because I'm leading leading you astray. And so there are some probably Christians who take though the idea of conscience and the idea of leading people astray and they, they take that and they're convicted in their conscience of that. And so they abstain from it altogether because they might think that that 
leads people astray or it goes against their conscience and things like that maybe um but yeah i like my whole family are christians and we all drink at at family things none of us ever get drunk um the dads will have three or four beers over the space of the day and then drive their family home yeah. mums will have a glass of wine with each other like it, it's something you know and i would say i'm on a very conservative spectrum of christianity yeah. i'm like the christian that everyone hates because i'm so blunt and i'm so like this is wrong this is right but we all drink so um i think it would be more different uh christians um who maybe touch on the conscience and maybe touch on um leading people astray sort of thing i mean there are there are old testament laws that are really specific and sometimes people get unstuck because i mean uh if you read some of the levitical uh like uh laws and all of these other things um and old testament laws there's things like you can't cut your hair you can't clip your beard you can't have tattoos you can't do all these things but unfortunately like a lot of interpretations is cherry picking so those laws were given to a specific group of people at a specific time for a specific purpose and it was in that covenant we're in a new covenant we can learn from case laws and things like that from the old testament um, and apply it to today um, it's not completely irrelevant it's very relevant but we're under a new covenant so we don't have to abide like i'm riddled mm. in tattoos from head to toe um sort of thing and um you know like i i don't cut my beard but my the men in my family cut their beards um i've cut my hair so there there are certain things that you take from old laws hold on do you say you have tattoos yeah. I've never yeah. even, I did not know that. It's interesting. Because I dress modestly, uh, Chris. I try to. And um, only the very special people in my life get to see them. <laughs> so you don't have any, obviously, on your arms? No, I've got it down my, uh, like on my legs. So you can see, okay. it. I just don't show my feet on the internet because there are weirdos out yes. there. And I got a foot request and I was like, well, there's i've made it i've made it big time i've got my first foot request it's so strange like, isn't it i was talking to a girl so who does weird. that she gets feet requests i'm like what like i don't understand I'm like, what for yeah. that's like a weird fetish but anyway each yeah, to their no, own. I, yeah no i'm sort of covered um with them it was something i did when i was young and stupid they're all biblical tattoos because i i would say i got them when i wasn't a christian but i thought i was and I thought I was like really cool, like getting Christian tattoos. And now that, that I'm a thing. genuinely a Christian, no, but I'm old. I'm an old woman. So I got tattoos before they were cool. Now everyone has tattoos. And if you don't have them, it's cool. But I got them and it was like, oh, and I remember my dad when I came home with my first tattoo and he had the gurney, like a high pressure gurney, and he saw it. And anyone who's had tattoos, you just don't touch, tilt or tamper them for quite mm. some time because it can be bad. And he got it and was just like, like chased me around trying to gurney it off. It, it, I think it bled. He's, 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 I love my dad. He's, he's old school. Um, but it was like very like, wow, shocking when I got tattoos because I got them, yeah, a long time ago. Um, but it's funny. I'm like, if I was younger and I was the person I am, I would pay thousands to get them removed. But I'm like, mm. I'm so old, I just can't be bothered. I'll just, yeah. I'll just cover. I'll just I know cover the them. feeling. It, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, we all do things when we're young. And it was, it was like, there was a yeah. phase where everyone went through and everyone started getting them. And then, as you said, now it's the opposite. Yeah. Where it's cool not to have them. Yeah, I but know. It, I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty. Like when you see a girl mm. without a tattoo on her arm or a wrist, I'm like, 
she looks very feminine and beautiful and elegant. Yeah. I wish I could look like that. Um, yeah. Anyway. It's um, it's okay. We all do things. <laughs> not a big deal. We do. So I've been doing a lot of research into religion since the last time we spoke. In fact, I'm trying to get on now. I've actually reached out to a prominent Islamic scholar and I'm hoping that he's can do it sometime later this month. Um, and there's a few uh, Christian scholars that I'm speaking to, but I was so many people sent me messages of requests of who to speak to. I was so lost. I would have got about, I'm not joking about a hundred different people. So I'm going through them and seeing who they are and just trying to get on sort of the one that I feel is the best to answer the questions that I'll have. Because I do find very interesting is that the, the Abrahamic faiths are all very similar. They differ a little bit on certain points, but they all are very similar. It's, they have the same foundations to their to religions. And I feel like that that's a good thing because I've, the way that the world's going now, I feel like religion is the only thing that can pull us out of it. It I've is. done a lot of thinking, a lot of, you can imagine, I do a lot of, like you, I do a With lot of. With your three brain cells, that's, no, I'm joking. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I got, yeah. I, in fact, I got my IQ measured again and it is, um, it's actually higher than the last time. There you go. You can exercise your brain and open it up to more. It's true. Yes, absolutely. If you can do an IQ, IQ test, it's not like, oh, you're going to be 70 or whatever for the rest of your life. You can improve on it. It's. Mm. Yeah, we don't we we have so little information on our brains and how our brain actually works, but yeah. human beings are so much more capable and um learning and growth is very tangible and possible. Well, I got it done before the pandemic. I got it done f free through my workplace at the time. 126 and I measured it only a few weeks ago and it's now 129. So I've gained 3 points due to the pandemic, mm. you see. Critical thinking. <laughs> You've it fires the brain up. Yeah, absolutely. Brain. So, yeah, yeah, but no. So I've, I've looked. I've, I do think honestly that it's the way for us to get out of that is through yeah. religion. The problem is the conflict between the different religions, and then you've got conflicts mm -hmm. within the same religion. Yeah. So, it, that's a problem, and mm -hmm. I don't know if if religion will be useful to solve the problems that the world's facing. And when I say the problems I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, the mm. push that they're doing in the West and, and the, the immorality and the, it's just the world that we live in now is, is so far removed from even when I was a kid, that's not that long ago mm. that the world was a completely different place, but for the better, I feel like it's getting worse. Like, as I shared yesterday, the Sydney opera house are running Mardi Gras for kids. Like, it's like they're trying. It's like they're trying to promote being a homosexual or a transgender as cool. Like, yeah, look, it's not they're trying to like trying to make our kids gay. That's what it's like. When I look at it, I'm thinking, what other possible explanation is there for these people pushing it? Like, why do they have this need to involve children in these events? I don't understand it. If someone can explain it to me, I'd love. I'd love that. Because I feel like I'd have some closure. Because at the moment, it seems like it's it's for the wrong reasons. Hmm. I just don't see any good that can come from a child attending a drag show. Yeah. Like, tell me, is there anything good that can come from that? I could be wrong. Um, look, I, I think most certainly that 
um, what I sort of said before, when you reject God and you become godless, this is the result of that. And something Mm -hmm. that people don't understand and I think understand correctly is that we're actually born evil and people hate thinking about that because they think of children as innocent, but you don't need to teach a child how to behave badly. They do that all on their own. And people Mm -hmm. say that, oh no, it's the adults around them. It's the environment. It's this and that. That's not true. If babies were strong and like, I'm talking like a baby in the arms, if they could, they would cut your throat and rip your watch off your hand if they wanted it. Um, Children are born with, sin in their hearts and with evil Mm. and it's our job as adults to teach them that's Mm. part of being a godly household is teaching your children to fear god and fear the lord and people go oh you shouldn't teach them to be scared being scared and being fearful are two different things you know in the bible the disciples are in in a boat and a huge storm hits and they're in the boat and they're freaking out. They're like the storm, we're going to, the boat's going to flip. We're going to, you know, drown all of this sort of stuff. And then Jesus comes out in the middle of the storm and walks on water. And they were more scared of that than they were of the storm because He's in control of the storm. And that's the whole purpose of that power of that story is because he literally controls the waves of the storm. He spoke and the storm stopped. And then, you know, the disciples in the boat became fearful of him, not because, you know, he's a wicked God, but because of the amount of power he has, even the elements listen to his voice. And so when people say fearing God, they're like, that's really bad. No, it's not. It's admiration. It's adoration. It's acknowledgement that he's a creator of everything. And he could just at any moment decide you, you're not going to live anymore. And he has that authority. That's the fear, the reverence um, that comes from it. And, you know, I think that, you know, parents, our job is to raise our children in what's right and wrong. We teach kids. It's not like they, you know, are born perfect and we corrupt them. The world corrupts them, sin corrupts them, but they're born already corrupted in the heart. Um, and it's through regeneration and through, acknowledging God that we have goodness in us and we do better. So I think the answer to stopping drag events and the answer to stopping evil is by winning and changing the hearts of children to love and to fear God and leading your family that way in that righteous way. And that's how we beat this. And, you know, you said there's all conflicting religions. What do you do? What do you do? Like, I'm a, I'm a female, so I take the Bible pretty seriously. I, it's not my job to be a preacher in a church and to be an elder in a church. That's up for the men. But what I will and I would love to offer is people um, point people to other great men who have said it or worded it better than myself. And there's a minister in America called Vody Borkham, and he does a sermon about how it's easier to believe the Bible to be true than not. And he goes through it and explains how the Bible is, it's harder to not believe the Bible than to Mm. take it as true. And it's really interesting for non-Christians to listen. And there's also another guy who who is an agnostic. So he's a bit like people who acknowledge that there's a creator they, they don't believe in evolution, but they don't know what God is or who he is. They just know mm. there's something. They're agnostic. They're sort yeah. of there. And um, his name's David Roll, R-O-H-L. Oh, I think it is. But if, if you go onto cauldronpool.com, my podcast, I interview this guy. Um, he basically 
is an Egyptologist and an anthropologist and a historian. And he's like, why is it that we find a scroll that's dated back, you know, 4,000 years, and we take that as historical fact, but the Bible have had things dated back this many thousands of years. And we go, it's all fiction because it's religion. And he, as a Mm. non-Christian, so this hasn't got any Christian bias or anything like that, but he says, I can historically from from um, archaeologist's point of view, an anthropologist's point of view, he's literally the most qualified in his field. He can prove that these historical events are true and prove that the Bible is true. He does it through language, through hieroglyphics. He does it through um, burial sites that he's found. Um, he does all these different things. And it's amazing how, and he says it, it's amazing how the whole world has said this archaeological thing's true, this scroll is true, this written work is true, this, 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 but anything to do with the Holy Bible, well, that's just fake because it's religion. And he's a historian that says he believes it to be true. He just doesn't know who God is. So if you're a non-Christian, it's not a Bible bashing thing over the head, although I'm all for Bible bashing. If you want to be Bible bashed over the head, just contact me. I'm happy to be that person and be hated for that. Um, But it's amazing that there are even non-Christians who say the Bible is true based Mm. history be found anywhere um he's got these books that are incredible um and he goes through it and i think if you want to know what the truth is there's always one consistent factor and i as a christian believe it leads straight back to jesus christ it leads straight back to the bible and um there are great resources out there for people who don't really know or understand or know where to start so plenty of places to go and it's interesting you look at every religion throughout history every single one of them what have they all got in common that happened about you know uh 4000 years ago whenever it was exactly um the flood the great flood mm. right what is that in the bible noah's ark well, that's that's the mm. great flood every single like the mesopotamian um every like you can go to thailand and their ancient stuff talk about a great flood every Mm. single thing has a great flood um so history is there and it's recorded right it's well graham hancock do you know graham hancock Mm. yeah yeah have you seen his new series on netflix yeah great so he speaks a lot of about those events as well he does yeah and yeah you can you can relate them back to stories in the bible and other scriptures i mean i've read now not all of them i've read parts of of the bible i've read parts of the quran as well and you know it's interesting it's like you're reading one story there's no difference but when you go from the old testament to the quran it's almost like it's a continuation it's almost like part two almost it's very interesting I've got, of... I've got a copy of the Quran here too, because I don't like to speak on things with authority without having researched and done things. And as a Christian, when I say the Bible is more accurate than the Quran, you know, I'd like to be able to back that up and be like, well, I've never read the Quran. So I have it. And, you know, I have answers to all these questions. I'm mindful of going for however long, but you know, there are answers to these things and I'm sure there are answers that, um, people who are part of Islam have in relation to Christianity. There are yeah. answers everywhere. But it's healthy um, to have people... those discussions. 
everywhere. Yeah. And it is helpful to have those discussions. As a Christian, I like having those discussions because my hope and prayer is that people come to know the true Jesus and Savior and become saved. That's my hope and goal. I never do it out of hatred or thinking I'm better. And I never do it out of thinking that, you know, um, I'm more deserving or I'm more smart or I know the answers to this and you don't. I literally do it out of a love for people and, um, you know, at the same time, like I have um, some great friends who are um, from Islam and I know I'm not going to convince them. Mm. Absolutely not going to, because they're mm. as deep in Islam as I am Christianity, but there's that mutual respect where it's like, um, I'm here. If you want to talk about Christianity and I can gently offer things and do things, but I'm not hateful and I don't treat them any differently. And I pray for them and for their souls and things like that. I'm sure they do the same for me behind the scenes mm. that I'm not aware of. Um, but there's this misconception that we all have to hate each other. Um, when it doesn't have to be like well, that. Well, you know what? And... We're all, it doesn't matter what religion you are. If you believe, as I said, they're very, very similar in a lot of their foundations and principles. They are. There's differences, obviously, like, for example, um, in Islam, Jesus is a prophet, not a, a prophet. god. Right. Correct. But they still speak about him and he's held to the utmost respect uh, well, by he's that religion held as well. More by respect than Jewish people. Jewish people don't even acknowledge Jesus, but. Muslims do so. In yeah. fact, I'm pretty so. sure Jesus is mentioned more in the Quran than than Muhammad is the prophet of Islam. Yeah. Well, there's a high level yeah. of respect there. So, I think I said there's a lot of even though there's a few points that they differ on. I think their their stance on on a lot of things on adultery, on marriage to some aspects of it. Obviously, uh, the importance of marriage and family is the forefront of both. Um, their views on things like homosexuality is pretty well consistent that it's a sin. Um, I don't know where people get the idea that it, they're, I think even, I think Malcolm Roberts has made a point about, about um, Islam teaching to throw homosexuals off buildings. That's I've, I've I don't know where he heard that, well, but I like can't, all, yeah. it's more, I think that's more of a cultural thing in that part of the world where they do that. I don't, I don't see where in the religious teaching, which is in the Quran and also the, the hadith, I think it's called, where that's mentioned as, as a punishment at all. So I'm not sure where, that's what I mean. There's a lot of misconceptions, again, um, on both religions from from mm. people. And, and that's look, a lot of that I think is deliberate and also a lack of knowledge. I think there's definitely people out there, atheists primarily, who try and rubbish religion wherever they can. Um, and then there's also people from both faiths, from all faiths that rubbish other faiths, um, mm. where they get very defensive. And it's like, well, we need to realize that that I think a Muslim and a Christian have a lot more in common than either one of them would have with an atheist, put it that way. Fair point? Well, I think that uh, they believe, in, they believe in, in God, right? Mm. And I think the difference is atheists don't have that, authority above them whereas the the, the similarities mm. with all different faiths is we acknowledge that we are under god we mm. are not equal to god we are made in the likeness of god and in his image and that's in most faiths and most religions certainly in christianity and in islam um, but we the way we structure our person and, and us as human beings is acknowledging that there is a god above us and that's where atheists differ from from us um 
and when I say us, I mean people of faith and of of religions. I think that um, the historical side and I guess the um, chronological order of things and the timeline between Christianity and Islam can you can see how they kind of marry up with each other. But mm. in terms of like the gospel and the message and uh, things like that. I do think we are quite different when it comes to punishment. I think that goes into Sharia law and that is something I think that's been adopted by cultures and like all biblical texts, it's interpreted and there are extremists everywhere. I mean, people talk about the Christian crusades, right? Mm. But as a Christian, um, you know, like I can assess things and go, well, hang on a minute and I can weigh up certain things and add a voice to the situation. And I'm sure there are many people of Islam who have have seen extremists of their religion um, do certain things and they would be able to come back and say, well, they're probably not actually following the true doctrine of Islam. And there are lots of Christians who have done bad things in the name of Christianity. And as a Christian, I go, well, I actually don't believe they're a Christian because as a Christian, you can't do that. A, B, C, and D. So I actually don't believe that you're a Christian at all. And if people say that, well, I, they're probably going to hell, even though they think they're a Christian. And I'm sure mm. people of all religions can say that about people who take on the name of their said religion. Yeah. I mean, there are Christians who I don't want to associate with, just like there are probably Muslims that other Muslims don't want to associate with and want yeah, to separate themselves from. Um, I do think they are very different, but yeah, I do think our commonality is that we acknowledge that God's above us. We're below God. We aren't God. And it's only through, um, in, and this is where we differ as a Christian is through Christ um, and only through him that we're justified. Um, and that pivotal point of salvation, I think, is very different to Islam. Um, that's the biggest sort of. That's the biggest difference point. for sure. Yeah. But I remember years ago when I was uneducated, to be honest, and I remember, I remember people always saying, well, I think I even believed at some point that, 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 Allah was a God, a different God that was only like a Muslim God, as if like we're talking about Buddha or like, like a it was statue or something. Yeah. And then I heard my grandmother, who's Maltese, talking to one of her brothers or single sisters, and she was saying it, referring to God, but she's she's a Catholic, yeah. so she was speaking, but she was saying Allah, and I said to her, "What? what are you? She goes, oh, it's just God. In the yeah. language, it's just God. And that's where a lot of yeah. people think, but it's actually not the case. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's it's the same God across all faiths. I think they believe that Jesus, the, the Trinity. Yeah, the, the well, Father, Son, Jesus, Holy Spirit. The, fa- yeah, the Holy Spirit and stuff. But the 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 Islamic God is this the God the same God that Christians believe in. Well, it's different because we have a different understanding of Him, but it's the same in in its um the place of it. So. For yeah, so Allah is is God, right? For yeah. for Muslim, Allah is God, and for me, God is God, um, and they're the same figure, so to speak. But our understandings, yeah. I think, of who God is and His role is very different because of the Trinity. Our understanding yeah. of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is part of who God is to us, and I, that's yeah, different. But I understand what you're saying in that um, there's that. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. There's it's a, not a complete creator. separate entity. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The cru- yeah. It's not like Allah is, that's his name. He's wearing a name badge, Allah. It is yeah, just yeah, yeah. God. Yeah. I, I totally that. get what you're saying, but I think, yeah, each religion has a different 
understanding or theology theology is just a person's understanding and relationship mm. with god and so our theologies are different on god but the figure itself yeah is would be this would be the same so yeah it's very interesting it really is and i think it's something that interests me a lot looking mm. across all the religions because you do find a lot of similar differences as well but similarities and i think common ground that can be used for good i think if 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 everyone was, if I said religion can change the way that the world is heading because it's heading to a place of complete and utter ignorance. And with that will come, I truly believe the end of our species. We'll end up killing ourselves off. Well, stupidity can't sustain itself. So it yeah, can't. we don't change. And we I believe that, that that religion can change the trajectory of where things are headed. It can almost put a stop to it to some extent and you'll have people that are i guess the people that are in control of, of who are calling the shots will no longer have the same power that they have but it is a shame to see the way that that religious leaders you know they, they praise like for example the premier of new south wales being religious yeah but it doesn't really like it, I, I don't Morrison, that's Christian. right yeah but they don't yeah they don't and that's where liberals have gone wrong in recent years is that they're too moderate. They're too willing to lean to these other ideologies, minorities. And that's where I think they've gone wrong. Like you've seen what's his um, DeSantis in Florida, mm. his, pop his popularity is because he stands strong and he stands up for what he believes in and that's it. Yeah. And I feel well, like, like if they did it here, who knows yeah. what could happen? Well, I look at Trump, right? Like I am not pro-Trump. If I was 2016, I would have voted for Trump. Uh, in, you know, 2020, I would have voted for Trump over Biden. Mm. Like, let's just be real here. But yeah. I don't worship the man. Um, and this is the problem I think a lot of our side of politics has is we we put man in the place of God and we put man mm. in as our Lord and Savior. And while ever we put man in the place of our Lord and Savior, they're always going to fail and they're always going to let us down and they're never going to meet our expectations because they literally can't. Um, mm. And until we put God as our Savior, and, and Jesus as our as our Lord and Savior, who is going to save us. Um, until we do that, we're going to continue to fail because man will always fail. Our inherited nature will always, you know, outdo those things. And I look at Trump now. In 2016, that was his best shot, right? That was his mm. best shot. And he won because he was so hard because people are looking and searching for something greater than themselves. There is yeah. a void and nature hates a void. And when there's a nature, you know, you feel the need to fill it. And human beings and society, we, we've got a huge void. And it's because we've taken God out of culture. We've taken God out of society. We've taken God out of our homes, out of mm. our education. We've taken it out of everywhere. There's a void and people are trying to fill it. And, you know, Trump was so hardline and he was so, uh, you know, straighty 180 on certain things and people were looking for that. So they filled that void with him and then were disappointed when he failed again. Mm. Um, but this time around, you look at 2024 when he's running again, he's backflipped again and he's trying to appease to the left. He's, he was... Um, the first president in all of history who publicly and openly stood as pro-life which was yeah. against abortion and he gave a speech at the massive 
um, anti-abortion thing. And he was the first president in history to do that. And everybody was like, that's amazing. Now he's just released a statement that um, he thinks Republicans are too hardline with it and that there should be room for abortion and things. And he's, you can see him backpedaling. And this is exactly what Scott Morrison did is, you know, you, you appeal to the conservatives, you appeal to the people who are trying to fill a void with something and you win their votes. And then once you've got their votes, you do nothing for them. And you spend your entire time trying to please a group of people who will likely never vote for you. It's like Mm. Trump is desperately trying to get people, Democrats to vote for him. So he's trying to soften his approach. He's trying to go backwards on some of the hardline things he said to try and get the left to vote for him. They're never gonna vote for him. They can't stand him. And that's exactly what Scott Morrison did. He spent his entire time alienating us who voted for him and um, trying to please a group of, of uh, people that are never, ever in their life going to vote. And we do need more hardline people who are bold and willing to fill that void and who are going to fill it with putting God back into our culture and God back into our society. And um, Who is not that? And let me say that now. <laughs> no. Unless they do. He's never, ever, ever, ever going to win an election, that guy. He's hated He's, way too much. I don't even know much about him, but I just, I don't, I wouldn't say I dislike yeah. him. I don't know him, but he's not appealing. Yeah. There's nothing about him that makes me want to vote for him. And yeah. And I think the problem is like, we've got really old men who are doing it. Like look at Biden and Trump. They're old men. The reason yeah. why DeSantis is so attractive to us is we can relate to him more. He's within our reach. He's more close to our generation. Mm. And we, we look to like, there's actually studies that show this when there's a crisis, when there's like a natural disaster, when there's something that goes wrong in a siege or a hostage mm. situation, people automatically look to the biggest man in the room, the man mm. that they feel like that can protect them. It's actually a thing. It's like yeah. tall man privilege. You get to be the hero. Um, but it, it's it's true because that's what you look for. And so we look at people like Trump and Biden, we're like they're old and senile. And it's like we're, we are. And I'm desperate for a young man who is strong in his convictions, who can and will do the right thing and stand up for it. And we've just got, you know, in Australian politics, it's like, Think about who's young and upcoming, who's well-known, who could do it. I can't think of a single one. Can you? No. No, I mean, we've got some good, we've got some good politicians that have done some good things during um, the pandemic, like Rennick and Antic and, you know, a few of the other sorts of guys. You know what? Antic is pretty good. Yeah, he is. He's very, very, and he's very intelligent. Yeah. He He speaks well. He's extremely knowledgeable and he's... Mm. And his conviction, I, I don't know too much about his, um, I, was, oh, he, he, I spoke to him a while ago and he did send it to me. I didn't read it. Whoops. Mm. But um, he did send it to me. But um, no, I do like him. I do like him. I think he's probably, we need someone like that. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's yeah. why people find DeSantis attractive because he's a young family man with young children and a mm. wife and he's like us. Um, and that's what we desperately need. And I don't even know, to be honest, if I am fully a fan of DeSantis because he, um, had an opportunity to end abortion and he didn't, um, you know, when all of it went Roe v. Wade and went back to the state. And there are a few other things like, I'm not a huge fan of nations that put other nations first. And Mm. I'm not. I'm not going to get into the whole Israel thing, but he's there are a lot of politicians, including DeSantis, who appear to be very pro-Israel and things like that, which I I just 
I'm very hardline. You look after your nation first and absolutely. You know, Israel is one of the most wealthiest nations in the whole world. So I'm pretty sure they'll be okay. Um, but that's another topic. And again, I'm, if you're from Israel or a Jew, I do not hate you. That's a caveat. I'm just saying, so there are things about DeSantis that I don't like, but mm. I mean, if you're going to put a vote and I have to choose Trump or him, I'd probably choose him because he's mm. young, because he's more relatable. He's a family man. I mean, like Trump's got kids too, but they're, yeah. yeah I don't know if that makes very sense. Different. Trump's, yeah, he, he hasn't got the best character and that's his problem. <laughs> that's his biggest problem is that he, he he's very, um, it's hard to, he, <laughs> He, he's very, it's almost, I wouldn't say he's, he's not crazy, but he can be unpredictable. Like he can be, yeah. like if he has a big button that he can push to start a war, I don't know if I'd want him looking after that button. I don't know. Like, I you know disagree, I mean? to be honest. He's very temperamental. I, I, he's very, he's very reactive. I think he's emotional with a lot of the reactions that he has, but I mean, when he was in power, he had there were less wars in the history of American politics Absolutely. than ever before. So yeah. I, I'd, yeah, maybe I would, maybe I would leave him in charge of the war decisions. But maybe I, I mean, there are some decisions that he makes that do seem quite irrational. And I, like, for example, like the vaccines, like it's so confusing how pro-vaccine he is. Yet in his 2016 run for presidency, he came out and said he believes that um, it, he doesn't say he knows it for sure, but he's open to the possibility that vaccines, this was before COVID, that vaccines mm. cause autism in children. So yeah. he says that on one hand. He was working then, with, um, with um, he was working with, um, what's his name? Um, I can't think of his name now. Bobby Kennedy Jr., yeah, 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 they're working together, and they're going to start up a, yeah, a yeah. committee to look into All the childhood things. vaccines. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and then COVID happened, and he was—he sort of like you know, was I created these? I'm the one who got these here. I'm this. Mm. I'm that. But then at the same time, he's like, it should never be mandated. It should just be up. So a part of me is like, I—he's he's just confusing. I don't understand him at the moment. Um, he, he doesn't follow I, a particular <laughs> path. <laughs> Yeah, you're sort like, of like this. You're like, oh, that's really, really good. And then you're like, oh, what's he doing there? And then you're like, oh, that's okay. And then, oh, what's he? Yeah, it's sort of yeah. a love-hate relationship. But no, it's the, we've got, mm. um, and as much as I hate to admit it, that America do rule the world. There's absolutely yes, no do. doubt about it. And They're the powerhouse. They are the powerhouse. And that's why I've been, brother. yeah, that gets picked on and bullied. <laughs> right. But no, that, that's why I've been so... Um, I've been hated for my opinion on the situation in Ukraine, but it's the truth. Like it's, it's, I don't even know what your opinion is on that, but I don't, I don't hate Putin for a moment. And I say it openly. I don't, I don't say I, I wouldn't, I don't like him. I don't love the guy, but I certainly understand why he may have been, had his, had to have made the decision that he made. It goes back a very long time, and it's certainly not as straight up as the. Goes back to 1907, Chris. Propaganda version that we get fed, right? Mm. I'm well aware of that. Do I think he's a bad man? I think he's um, incredibly selfish. Um, in some aspects, but I do believe that he does have his nation, which obviously includes himself, best interests 
at heart. I do think that. It all goes back to what we've been talking about the whole time is people do not know how to think for themselves. They get told things and that's what they believe. But if you look at history, this whole thing with Russia and Ukraine is not recent. It's very recent, but it also extends back to 1907. And there's Mm. a story all the way from then up to now that sort of paints a picture. And this has been the most frustrating thing about this whole debate around Russia and Ukraine. It's like, if I say that NATO and Ukraine did the wrong thing to Putin, that automatically means I'm one of Putin's puppets. But it's like, mm. like, and this is what we spoke about before we came live on here, is two things can be true at once. Yeah. I can, one, think that NATO did the wrong thing and Ukraine did the wrong thing. And two, I cannot like Putin. They're, those mm. two things can be true at once and at the mm. same time. You know, it, it's, and we, we get in these tunnels where it's like, well, if you are defending Russia here, that means you're pro-Russia. Well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't mean yeah, that at right. all. And it's been incredibly frustrating because to be honest, if NATO weren't around and America weren't around, the war wouldn't be happening. Let's be honest. Let's be real. That's exactly right. Um, I mean, it, and yeah, it, it's just but really you, you frustrating. How you get them is this, and I've had a few people that have commented saying a similar thing that I'm I'm a Putin lover, and I say this, okay, listen, imagine that it was reversed and imagine that it was Putin who was on the Mexican border of the US. Yes. Right? And the he was- missiles pointed up. Yeah. Was, was, had military bases there that housed missiles right on the border of the US. Now I say, if the US asked him to go and he said no, and he kept pushing forward- what do you think the US would do? Because I can promise you that it's worse than what Putin has done. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. it is. Like you can sort of yeah. see that he's not, because the average, if you ask the average person who watched the, watched the six o'clock news on channel nine, they'll tell you that he wants to take Ukraine for himself. And that is selfish. Yeah. It's like, what? It's like, well, <laughs> no, I mean, he hasn't done a very good job of that. Well, let's be honest. Russia could have ended this war ages ago. Let's be they honest about that. Without doubt. Within the, within the first day or two, they could have finished it. Would have been right? done, yeah. But he hasn't done that. Why hasn't he done that? Because that's not his objective. His Correct. objective is to stand his ground, really. Well, yeah, there's all kinds of objectives, I think. Um, it's not as simple as NATO have gone back on an agreement that they had. There's all kinds of things about, you know, the... The voting that went through with the Russian um, nationality, uh, the the Russian nationals that are living in Ukraine, um, mm. wanting to be absorbed into Russia, and then that not being honoured after the vote. There's mm. all the all the t- sorts of things with the political leaders over in Ukraine that um, there's there's a whole range of reasons what his objectives are. But the simple matter mm. of the fact is, if he wanted to win and kill everybody and take it he could have and he hasn't ages ago by now yeah i mean and and remember the the ghost of uh of um kiev and all those ridiculous propaganda Mm. things all the women out Mm. there like all these warrior women i'm just like it's so ridiculous are they serious like just be truthful and and you know this is the thing in me saying that nato and ukraine did the wrong thing to russia And this is that whole saying, what I said, two things can be true at once. I still Mm. think Ukraine should defend their nation from an invasion. And and me thinking this doesn't mean I think Ukraine should be killed or, or, you know, 
I still believe these things whilst believing that Ukraine have a right to defend their nation. Yeah, And, and the problem is this, is that, that people will say, one of the biggest problems, people say, well, Ukraine's a, a sovereign nation. If they want to join NATO, they can. It's like, well, yes, but they're not really a sovereign nation. They're a puppet of the US. Absolutely they are. There's also funded. an agreement, a legal agreement that they there is a legal agreement. That's right between Russia and them. So that's right. But even putting even putting that aside, they're not a sovereign nation. They might be, but they've also got like people just don't. I don't know. People yeah. just don't have the need to look into things. Hmm. Like you believe Zelensky isn't an American puppet. Okay, you believe that? Absolutely, he is. People are like no, he's not. He's a hero. He's <laughs> not a hero. I can't stand him personally. He's a weasel. He just drives me insane. But, yeah. you know, it's just, it's an absolute, the way the media spins the narrative, I mean, they attacked the, the bridge. Remember that? Mm. Ukraine attacked the Russian bridge and then Russia retaliated. And then you, oh, Russia's, it's like, well, you, you attacked the bridge. It's, yeah. not just, it's not random. He didn't wake up in the morning and think, okay, I'm going to attack you this morning. No, there's, but they only tell one side of the story. And that's the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, no, I don't think Putin is an unpredictable psychopath that they make out. I think he's very intelligent. And I don't think he's as pure evil like everyone Would says. Would you he rather is. live in Russia or Ukraine prior war? Russia. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Russia. Why? Why would I live in Russia? I just have faith in. Culture. Oh, yeah, culture, the culture simple. there. But... Morals and, and culture. Morals and culture, but I also, I don't think he's a bad leader. I don't think that at all. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. that's my point. I think he's yeah. quite a strong leader. If, if For the Russian people, he's a very strong leader. And it he had doesn't... to be after the Soviet Union collapse. There had to be someone yeah. strong to take over from there. But it look, obviously, obviously the war is sad and, and it's not nice to think that innocent people are dying. But of that's course. the unfortunate reality of every war is that it's never the people that start the war who who have to live with the consequence That's exactly right. and it's the people like you thing. and i you and i like i can have an opinion on this but at the end of the day i'm not taking sides i'm not on russia's side and i'm not on ukraine's side you know whose side i'm on the innocent civilians from both sides who have Absolutely. to suffer because of this unnecessary war that's where I, that's the side that I'm on and that's the only side that I'll be on and people can think what they want of me, but that's where I stand. I stand on the side of the innocent people who have to get caught up in the crossfire of wicked men doing wicked things that was unnecessary to begin with. Absolutely. And, and it's NATO for me is a, it's just a power grab. It really is. It's a power grab. It, NATO for, to me is just an, an a reason for the U.S. to expand and and to increase their dominance over the world, that's what I believe. That's just my opinion. Mm. <laughs> I could be wrong. Good caveat. Yeah, I think it, we've always got to be. Mind. We've always got to be educated and researched and done our own information ourselves that we can have a strong opinion on something. But we have to be humble enough as well to to allow room for. Yeah, we could be wrong. I think that's a healthy mm. place for everyone to sort of be in. Yeah, and I've had my opinions have changed on many things in the past because I, I can't just, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's it. There's no, yeah. pe people will be, people will know they're wrong, but they'll double down. Look at the, the last three years, right? People will double down, even though they know they're wrong. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, it's, it's well, you've, now it's the time for you to say, listen, I'm wrong. I changed my opinion. It's okay. They can't. 
That's the like, problem when you go it. so far. If you, if you've gone that far, you can't go back. Because can you imagine if they all people all of a sudden go, wow, people died, people killed themselves. This happened. This happened. This happened. And I got it wrong. Can you like? It, it's impossible. So you have to double down in your lies. Uh, you, you can't not, and that's sad. Um, but that's history shows that that's human nature. Unfortunately, it is, and and you know, even de- of all people who I despise the most in this country, <laughs> which would be Dean Andrews. If he if he come out tomorrow and apologised and admitted his errors, which has been yeah. plenty of them, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like him, but I would think so much more of him. I'd be like, wow. Like, it'd be actually quite yeah. impressive. Can you imagine? If he was to come, you'd be like, wow. But he's not a bad... I, I would no longer think he's a bad guy. Because at the moment, I think he's a psychopath. But if he come out yeah. and said what he'd said and apologised for his errors, which said there's been a lot of them, you know, you think of people differently when they do that. It automatically... De- it demands respect. Yeah. Well, but, sorry should always come with repentance. And with repentance... Yes that's where reconciliation can happen. And um, with repentance as well is where justice sits. So if someone is truly repentant, they will want justice. So I think something as human beings that we should be mindful when people apologize to us is what comes thereafter. Because after mm-hmm. a sorry, should the repentance come? And with that, um, a person who is truly sorry will be happy for justice. So if Dan Andrews came forward and said he got it wrong, he's sorry, he's sorry, I would still want him to go to jail and pay for his crimes because I don't think mm. a sorry excuses justice. Justice should never be replaced, ever. Mm. Um, and I think that's why society and culture, I think that's where we get it wrong because we almost see a sorry um, as punishment, as like, well, that's their punishment mm. served, but I don't think that's godly. I think that's godlessness. And I think that mm. God is a God of justice and of vengeance and vengeance is his. And part of the way that he wields the sword is through our justice systems, our civil governments. The problem mm. is our civil governments are godless and they don't acknowledge God. But if it was all done correctly, how it should be, I still think that if someone's sorry, they need to see justice. So in future, if somebody if somebody's hurt you in your family and has done something wrong, or even a church leader, a minister, um, if somebody says sorry, we should, like you said, we should think better of them and respect the fact that they came forward, mm. how difficult that was to say sorry. But I still think that we're okay to want and to need to seek justice. And I think that if someone truly is sorry in their heart and repentant in their heart, then they will not stop justice and they will... Mm. Be like there are some serial killers um, uh, who it. have gone, who have gone to jail and gone, and and have been conflicted because they they I I know a serial killer. I watched this interview where they're like, I've killed this many people. I feel like I shouldn't be in prison. I should have the capital punishment. I feel like mm. I should be killed for my crimes. And this particular person was a Christian in prison. And you thought you can see through actions and through that repentance that they truly are sorry because someone who's not sorry will want to say sorry, but not have to live with the consequences. Is that, is that Jeffrey Dahmer? No. no. He um, did the same thing, I believe. He was wanting he to. He did. I have seen yeah. that one, but it was a, it was, I went down a rabbit hole and I started there and then I went somewhere else. Um, and it was another one, but there's a common link there. People who are truly sorry are totally fine. 
with justice and what's coming because they understand what they're how wrong what they've done is and they mm. understand the correct order of things that you know that justice needs to be served and so i think it's um justice doesn't always mean prison cells like people can wrong no. you in ways that aren't criminal but yeah. for example ministers of churches who basically abandoned us like i, I couldn't even go to my own church because i was unvaccinated if they're truly sorry and repentant, I want to see them step down from ministry and have time away for it because they should mm. not be in leadership roles if they're making those decisions. That's to me justice. And that's truly, I guess, eating your consequences and wearing it and owning it. Um, so yeah, I'm not saying prison for everyone. There are different yeah, categories course. and contexts, but you know, if someone's sorry <laughs> and truly repentant, then they will be happy with justice. And I don't should ever be void. You know, we're, we're too focused on um, rehabilitation in replacement mm. of justice. And I don't agree. I think justice comes first and through justice, rehabilitation can be achieved. Yeah. And not always. Eh? There's a lot of people who go to jail no. and they get out and they're, they get picked straight back up where they left but off. But that's so. probably because our justice is wrong to begin with. If like mm. <laughs> it's a stole a loaf of bread, cut your arm off. Like that's, and people would never steal a loaf of bread again. I'm not, I'm not saying we should be going cutting people's arms mm. off, but I don't think in modern culture, our justice marries up correctly to the crime. Severity anymore. of it. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Like just the thought of that, like people aren't going to steal bread because they know they'll get the arm cut off. That's right. Like it's not going to happen. I had someone point a gun to me and shoot it at me. And it's only because they had a stoppage gun that I'm not dead. And they got four years in prison for attempted murder. Four years. Wow. They came out within one week of them being released. I got notified that they put a threat on my life. I had to go into like witness protection for a little bit because they were coming after me. And in that week where after they came out, they committed an armed robbery and, and pointed a gun at someone's head at a pub and they're straight back in jail. And that's because they got four years because justice was not served. If justice was truly years. served, they would be in there for the rest of their life because they tried to take my life, but they weren't. And that's why we get reoffending. And that's why this we keep getting worse. Justice is never met. And that's a failure of our civil government. A failure mm. because they are so godless, because God does demand justice and justice equal to the crime. That is a biblical thing. And absolutely. we fail at that. Yeah. Absolutely. Evelyn, we'll leave it there. <laughs> I didn't realize. We didn't talk was. about abortion. We didn't talk about anything. Time. We'll do it again definitely much sooner than the last one. Um, it's um, always an important conversation that we have, and it's good. And I know that from the last episode we did, I got a lot of positive feedback from that. So I'm sure this will be the same, but we'll definitely do it again. <laughs> definitely. Sounds good. We'll do it again. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you.